Hi, I'm Rajoshi Dash and you're listening to Queer News and Storytelling in India. I'm in JNU right now with my friend Moitri Devi who has completed her PhD in International Studies and Relations on Minority Voices in Women's Movements in India and Bangladesh, a comparative study of the debates on personal laws in comparative politics and political theory, Jawaharlal Nehru University, New Delhi. She did her MA and MPhil in Political Science in Center for Political Studies, School of Social Science to Jawaharlal Nehru University. Moitri is a gender specialist and her academic papers and articles cover topics such as personal law, civil and constitutional law in the context of women's rights, minority women's rights in legal and gender paradigms, gender relations on university campuses and in student politics, violence against women, women's safety, Bora women, women and water, state violence against cookies, religious studies and party politics in Bangladesh. So welcome Moitri to the podcast. Thank you so much. So, um, you know, I am really curious to know, you have such a diverse research interest, but most of it is centered around Bangladesh, right? So, I was wondering, like, are you specifically, or did you specifically look at ethnic minorities in your uh, dissertation and what pushed you to explore this topic? Like, why specifically minority uh, voices? Yeah, thank you, uh, Radhushin. Uh, but I would like to uh, kind of like over here want to correct a little bit. It's not that most of the works are actually surrounded in Bangladesh. But yeah, I mean, I have worked on Bangladesh because actually I'm from Bangladesh. I'm originated from Bangladesh. But I have taken Indian citizenship now. I am an Indian citizen now. So yeah, in terms of working above on the ethnic minorities or uh, minority uh, voices uh, in Bangladesh, uh, also I have worked minority voices in India. And uh, what I want to say is like that, that why minority issues and specifically women issues have pushed me, uh, I mean, the the issues pushed me to work uh, on these topics because I have, I actually do have, today when I think about, do have a multiple varieties of identities. If I think about that when I'm, uh, because I'm coming from Bangladesh, uh, when I was in Bangladesh, I was part of minority. Mm-hmm. and uh, minority uh, women and uh, then when I came to India because of if we consider majoritarian religion and all that in that sense I'm no more a minority now uh, I would be part of majoritarian uh, that kind of identity but I do not consider myself I mean a majority identity mm-hmm. or like that because of my political, I think, understanding and my principle and values and uh, I think, uh, I mean, what I believe in, what the, I mean, for the uh, rights of the people and like, you know, equality and all that. So, 
because of my because of my political understanding and my political conviction or whatever you want to say is like that i won't be uh, i mean still a majority over here mm-hmm. so i'm still a minority and i of course like uh, in the political sense i do believe in i think you know i mean i'm towards i'm leaning towards left uh, leftist ideologies and all that and uh, also i stand for uh, women's rights and minority rights so all these things won't be kind of like considered as that kind of like uh, you know the people from the majoritarian identity will not take me in that way with open handedly or welcoming in that sort mm-hmm. because they don't believe in that way so in that way i'm saying that i'm still not a majority majority identity and the third uh, is that uh, the the things i have uh, in terms of uh, why this has been uh, i mean you know this uh, topic or this issues have pushed me to work on i think you know minority because i have seen first of all in bangladesh that society i have seen how how minority community and specifically women are the most and the other identities uh, for, uh, i mean other genders uh, they are the most i think you know affected because of the because of the i think ideology and the and the state policies and also the, that kind of majority minority that kind of like you know uh, divisions and all that and the and, and uh, the behavior uh, from the majoritarian communities and all that and uh, in terms of in i mean you know in laws in policies in each and every day uh, every every day the behavior and every day whatever they have they they have gone through in the household uh, in the public and private in both spheres when i came to india uh, i came to india because of my studies higher studies and all that then after that i have pursued uh, to go for this citizenship thing but um, i kept seeing that uh, when i was a student i mean i came as a student over here and since then i'm seeing is the same kind of behavior towards the minority uh, in india too the same kind of behavior from the majoritarian uh, groups and the identities towards minority and specifically again the minority women in their own community and outside their community so they are the most affected because of the because of their personal law because of because of the behavior uh, from the government because of the state policies each and every i think you know uh, spheres so uh, the, i wanted to i i kind of like i just wanted to look into those issues and try to find out that what's going on and why this is happening and what we can done what can be done about it so that has pushed me to a kind of like work mm-hmm. on and uh, one more thing is like that that i'm also interested because i i i stand for also uh, for the rights of the other genders like uh lgbtq uh i uh, groups and other gender non conforming uh, kind mm-hmm. of groups so uh, i mean i work for them i work for them and still i want to work for them i mean mm-hmm. and i want to i have i mean i uh, i have that solidarity with that movements and i i part of that movement so i am also looking at those like you know those the, their issues their the the, uh, the issues they are facing in this kind of like you know recent uh, political environment and uh, you know the i mean majoritarian the politics mm-hmm. going on today 
so yes so these are the things have pushed me to kind of like work yeah. on this uh, minority uh, yeah their issues and aspects i don't know if i uh, told you this before but my grandfather who who actually now is a canadian citizen uh, i think he got his citizenship 6 months back but he was in bangladesh and he was part of the awami league so once i interviewed him like casually you know and he said so i told him what do you think the similarities between uh, bangladesh and india when it comes to treatment of minorities why is it so similar and he told me you know it's all about power uh, whoever has the power and it's not always about the number it could be caste it could be um, you know ethnicity a lot of other factors and whether so whoever is in power will try to suppress uh, the others and i guess when you were referring to you being a minority you were also alluding to religion right uh, if i'm not mistaken you are hindu by birth is that true yeah that's what i actually try to try to say that if if i if we consider uh, i mean you know that parameters of minority majority uh, through that religion kind of like variable <laughs> so yeah in that case um, yeah it is i mean i was a minority in bangladesh so that's what i meant that when i came when i came to india in terms of that parameter i became a majority i mean so called but i i actually am not and mm-hmm. uh, so that's what i try to actually explain it. Mm-hmm. so yes uh, and uh, in terms of a lot of lot of things other things also uh i kind of like i do not consider myself uh, or maybe i won't be considered uh, as a majority first of all because i do because of my i think believe and uh, the things i i do uh, first of all i do not believe in i don't know if it is a, a kind of a right platform to say this or not uh when i'm saying that i do not believe in marriage institution mm-hmm. uh how i mean how many people actually can believe that or can i kind of like you know take a i mean stand on that so all these things like you know that's what i'm saying that my politics and my understanding uh, of the society all these things made me actually a minority and people will not consider me mm-hmm. as a as a majority in kind of like groups mm-hmm. so yeah Uh, so I was wondering, like, um, when you talk a little bit about uh, being single and not believing in marriage, and your simultaneous work as either I don't know if you see yourself as a queer ally or as a queer person, but I really I'm keen to understand since you have been in JNU for quite a bit and you've seen the ups and downs, you have been part of. the first perhaps and i i don't like the word first but from what i understand it is it is uh, at least one of those first uh, queer spaces that was created by anjuman and i was wondering how did you feel uh, or what was it like when was it like if you remember the year for instance and were you also part of subsequent um, student queer groups in jnu and did you see any difference or similarities how how do you think it has grown or it hasn't yeah thank you rashi um yes uh, so one thing i would like to kind of a little bit uh, modify over here for example uh, if when when i'm saying that uh, i do not believe in marriage institution so when when a woman or 
I mean, when a female is, or when a person is not married, that actually does not mean that person is single. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm single, but um, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is like that they also can be like kind of believes in other kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, partnerships or associations and all that, right? So yeah. Uh, that is there but uh, yeah I mean um, the term you used for me is completely right yes I am a single woman and uh, so uh, when I came to when I came to JNU I was part of a lot of uh, I mean groups and kind of like movements uh, when I came for MA now that is the year of 2005-6 so in I, I realized that in the campus there are two very uh, important groups which are functioning but very few people used to know about them. One was Parvas and the other one was Anjuman. Parvas was for, uh, it was like a, uh, for it was like a women women's development cell kind of, kind of stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know, in the campus, but uh, hardly people were there in that way. And Anjuman was a queer space, uh, so I was I was fascinated, like you know, um, to be, and I it, it kind of like moved me and inspired me to be a part of it. Uh, there were uh, some international students who were also kind of like part of that uh, group. And through and also in that group, I was knowing some people. Uh, there were some people who also I knew before. I mean, when I was in LSA, like Ponya, mm-hmm. she when she came to JNU, they formed this group, Anjuman actually. And she was in JNU in a lot of things, and she's a very good friend of mine. So when Pony also Pony, uh, I realized that she's uh, in Anjuman, and some of my other friends. I was like, yeah, of course, like, I kind of, like, feel safe in that kind of, like, you know, uh, space and my um, my politics actually for the other genders and all, I really wanted to do something about it. So, I joined, like, Anjuman, even not being, uh, you know, uh, in in terms of coming uh, or falling under those terms of LGBTQI, but I consider myself queer. Why? Because I am queer, because mm-hmm. I, uh, my belief system and my understanding, my politics are very different. In Bengali, we call it Udhut, mm-hmm. which is queer. So, uh, first of all, because of my not believing in marriage institution, mm-hmm. I find it really problematic because of this gender power relations. And I see that in the institution and I, I, I really, really kind of like... Uh, have seen this and I, my work is also kind of like yeah in that terms like even my uh, recent uh, thesis work uh, so where in the marriage mostly is like that but the I mean this whole institution is actually kind of like discriminating women in our you know I mean if if other genders also go for I, I I'm not I'm I have not worked much on that and how their marriage is but I'm sure there would be again that power relations still exist in mm-hmm. that uh, in that uh, 
i think you know those fears too in their lives too but uh, if i specifically talk about uh, women's uh, i mean you know how women in the marriage institution they are the gender which is like we, they are the most discriminated and how they have been seen as a unpaid you know a labor in yeah. that marriage institution is that's what like i kind of like i i just uh, somehow the other I do not believe in that's what it made me that completely uh, coming out of or like you know from that idea or that understanding that marriage marriage is the most important uh, i mean that is your the that that should be a girl's uh, foremost aspiration to go for in this life yeah so um I I you know that there is so much discussion around gay marriages these days people are trying to legalize it and everything so do you think it's going to be uh, different or like you said you think it's not going to be different but um do you feel like there are certain kinds of marriages let's say interracial intercaste where it would be different or there's some possibility of the institution kind of uh, being redeemed or do you think it's something which cannot be done um you know as long as there is like you said uh, a certain degree of unpaid labor uh, involved or maybe lack of property rights for um not just women but you know anybody who is in a way like you know like doesn't have the same power in the in the relationship so do you think it's a failed uh, like project to redeem the institution See, in terms of uh, in uh, in terms of gay marriage, you know, uh, I mean, only thing I would like to say over here is like that it's a it's a choice, personal choice. If a gay man or a woman uh, or a transgender man or woman they want to they they I mean who consider themselves like you know as a particular gender or something. so um if they want to uh, go for a marriage that that's that person's their personal choice to go for so we cannot have a comment on that however uh, i say i would say over here is like that that the marriage institution will not work even if it's for a uh, like you know uh, in the heterosexual kind of like uh, i mean you know uh, that sphere or it is uh, a non heterosexual sphere mm-hmm. if the both partners are, are not equal so what i have seen is like that that in the even in the gay partnerships some of them they identify themselves as a man and a woman mm-hmm. even in in a gay uh, kind of a relationship mm-hmm. one partner consider um, herself as i mean or Uh, himself as but not everybody Lisa. not everybody yeah, yeah of In course some, not everybody yeah. but the thing is that as soon as yeah. you are considering you are not considering yourself equal and both the partners do not believe in like that each others are their partnerships are not equal mm-hmm. and there are some kind of gender roles getting injected in that like mm-hmm. are coming in the picture so then of course like you know the marriage institution in that marriage institution i feel i believe yeah. that um uh, it, it won't be a equal partnership so you think like the so you're saying that the gender role itself is associated with a certain gender but well, let's say i'm thinking of like cooking and i love cooking because it's something which sort of 
allows me to process things, you know. I see it as a self-care. But at the same time, I know a lot of people, especially if you are a housewife, you may not see cooking as a, you know, something that, because you have to do it. Uh, so do you think that those, the work itself can be maybe reconceptualized? Like, and there's hope of sort of recovering that work from a certain kind of, from being associated with unpaid labor or, um, you know, something that can be inherently or makes that person less powerful? Yes. Uh, what else? Uh, I mean, uh, thank you that you kind of like elaborated a little bit. So what I'm trying to say over here is like that, that if we consider that only one gender will perform these, these, these roles mm-hmm. and the other other gender will not do those jo- uh, jobs or works in the household or outside uh, the household in the public and they will do these 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 works but not equally not equally shared mm-hmm. then then again the same kind of gender power relations is being i think continued or extended in in the in the other like you know uh, platforms as well in mm-hmm. other marriage institution or practice as well yeah. so that's what i'm trying to say mm-hmm. so as soon as so again i'm reiterating, reiterating this point is like that that as soon as the both partners are not feeling equal with each other i mean you know in the process mm-hmm. marriage institution cannot be successful marriage institution is mm-hmm. not going to be kind of a successful institution or uh, it, I mean, what I'm trying to say is like that it will be always an unequal uh, yeah. institutional platform. Yeah. So, uh, this is these are the things are very much like integrated in this ideas mm-hmm. of so that which has to be mm-hmm. day by day, which has to be worked on and to be removed from, yeah. I mean, these ideas and perception. Otherwise, this institution is going to be a failed kind of mm-hmm. institution. I mean, yeah. So, that's what I meant. Yeah, I'm thinking it's actually also true of family, especially biological family, where often sons don't do a lot of work. Uh, and that reminds me, and I didn't send you this question, because this just happened yesterday. We were in that uh, seemingly exclusive uh, film screening, a uh, film which is based on the life of Salim Kidwe, which celebrates his life. And I remember he said that his, you know, his being single was a choice. And he also said something about Mm, that space, you know, where you can welcome, you don't let go. Something I think Gautam Bhan said uh, when he was, like, as a as a recording. And I remember Kaushal, uh, who was part of the panel, also mentioned something about having, a, having an open house. Now, how do you see yourself growing old as a single person or as a single woman? Like, um, would you say, would you, do you still connect or do you share that kind of intimacy with people from Anjuman or do you think you have a new group of people now because I do think you were also part of Dhanak and Hasrati right like the the later queer groups so were you able to kind of forge some kind of intimate kind of relationship which friendships for instance like love through friendships and do you think that's sustainable while as we grow older yeah, thank you, Radish. Actually, this is a very, I think, you know, um, important or maybe interesting uh, kind of like, you know, aspect to think about. Uh, 
yeah um about my life uh, so yes as you uh, as as you mentioned i was not part of dhanak actually that time i was out of the campus mm-hmm. and i was working after my mfa but i came back in 2017 after uh, i mean dhanak uh, i think kind of got kind of deactivated uh, after the point and then there was no queer space in mm-hmm. the campus and then um, um, some of us some of my friends and i we kind of like had a meeting uh, i mean you know some of my queer friends and i we were just having a meeting a casual meeting one day after our coursework and all and they were my course uh, actually classmates uh, so we just thought that why not i mean let's let's start a queer space again in this campus and um, we founded this uh, new queer, uh, queer space and a group uh, uh, in the campus which calls hasrate yes now i have i mean i i came out of the campus i finished my higher studies i mean after my submission and all that but the thing is that i hope that this hasrate the i think the politics i think the i mean you know the principles and the objectives and the goals uh, uh thinking all those we have started it will continue that way and also if there is any kind of like you know um some or the other uh, every day when we we realize that yeah this strategy or that is the way it's not working out how society has been changed on that of course that has to be kind of like evolved and all that hasrate also i mean i hope that it will evolve in uh, uh thinking in that terms yeah so that is there and uh, the other part which you asked me about like that that yes uh, yesterday when um, uh, we were uh, watching that film and uh, when we were knowing from selling kidwai's friends mm-hmm. about uh, his ideas and his thought processes and uh, uh, his belief the one thing struck us not only me but a lot of people because i was like finding it very similar uh, idea and belief uh, of like you know of his with mine like for an example that friendship thing mm-hmm. and not about that romantic relationship right. all the time as very important and that has to be uh, has to you have to have it in your life kind of stuff like that mm-hmm. it was always that you know from my childhood i always have prioritized friendship mm-hmm. and then maybe love love and the thing is that uh also because uh i i mean a uh, family uh, that uh, blood bonding and all mm. i always felt that uh, friendship bonding i mean non blood for i mean you know, bonds mm. and all that uh, and relationship are more i think you know stronger than all those familial uh, kind of mm. like you know bonds mm. and uh, relationships yeah. and uh, it, it i mean uh, thank goodness that i really do have very very good friends in my life and uh, uh, today whatever i am mm. i i want to give credit that you know they have made me learn a lot they made me uh, i think evolve a lot i have learned so much in this life about uh, about my politics my understanding a lot of things maybe were not clear but when when they became my friends and i i i i used to talk to them about a lot of things a lot of things got cleared and i got a vocabulary you know you're you're getting my point so it's like a lot of things in your head are there but somehow or the other you could not 
you could not articulate kind of like it. articulate it or put it in a word like you know in and that way you could not formulate mm-hmm. it but i have got some friends who are who are as like you know uh, i think you know they also think uh, so that progressively uh, i have like i got them in my life that after talking to them i kind of like could formulate those ideas into mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. so that made me a completely uh, evolved person so i am today i i'm really really grateful for those friends in my life and i always have given priorities uh, my to my friends uh, and i i think uh, yeah and and i always try to be uh, there when they when they when they need me when they needed me and still in future when they need me so i kind of like give this as a topmost priority even if i have to kind of like you know uh, not to think about uh, my own gain or whatever or my time or something like that uh, so that belief is that i always have given so what i'm trying to say is like that that friendship is the most prioritized thing in my life like you know in that way and uh, that is why maybe also uh, i do not have much to kind of like uh, put light on or focus a light Uh, on this romantic relationship because i really had uh, not much experiences in all those things because i was i was always so content with my friendships mm-hmm. uh, like you know in in debates in politics in movements in each and everything in whatever we do mm-hmm. so like you know so yeah so that is there so that's what i'm trying to say that i kind of like found the similarity with selling kidwa in mm-hmm. that way that that understanding of it with mm-hmm. mine and that belief and what else you all think so i mean like you know uh, am i kind of about like, like growing words like oh yes yeah. right right so the thing is that uh, today um you know it's a it's a biological thing you have to grow old mm-hmm. but the thing is that you are growing old uh, how to put it uh, aesthetically or like you know vibrantly that depends on you because the thing is that like today i am old old but the thing is that i i mean you know i feel that i have uh, i am a kind of like uh, uh, it's like a old wine kind of thing like you know mm. <laughs> so um, if you are getting old it is more yes, and more yeah. kind of like you know uh, i think in a good good way mm. or or a better mm. way yeah. like because uh, because of because of my experiences every day because of my politics because because the because whatever i do or whatever i believe in what i whatever i stand for and the uh, overall having a critical kind of like uh, analyzing whatever is going around me like you know having kind of like always have that critical mind you know to kind of like uh, have that kind of like uh, understanding of it that what is happening is uh, uh, is how it should be it, it, how if uh, that if that's supposed to be uh, to be done that's supposed to happen that way or or some other way and what would be good for the community good for the society good for the people like each and everything like good for even for yourself like you know so in that transformation like in the all the time you are like you know evolving yourself you are because when you have a critical mind you are actually seeing through that lens that you know uh, you are not taking things without doubt you're getting my point you are actually mm. kind of like seeing things that i mean not a very neutral way it's like yeah 
So that thing, that politics, that I think that's kind of like, I, I feel that uh, even I'm growing old every day, but I'm becoming finer, like mm. why? Yeah, because that, uh, uh, yesterday that uh, uh, there was this uh, song sung by this uh, friend of Selected by Manjuri. Uh, so she was singing like that. So the, I mean, I uh, of course it's a, it's Which a, was the song? So I just try to in, uh, translate in English. So it was like that. That uh, uh, that song meant is like that. Um, this life gives you, will give you gum. Oh. This this life will give you sorrows. This life will give you a lot of worries uh, because the life is like that. But the thing is that. Uh, how you are going to deal with it mm. and uh, oh, aapke life ke saath, uh, how, to, how to put it in that way Kaise wo, so it would be like um, it's like uh, how that entangled with kind of yeah. like with your with your with your with your life that move moving thing that evolving thing that is up to you. Yeah. How you are going to kind of like you know make that happen? If if that worries will uh, will uh, you will you, you, you will let that worry or you will let that sorrow you will let that thing to devastate you mm-hmm. or you will make that uh, like you know worry or mm-hmm. whatever that uh, like you know sorrow or whatever that mm-hmm. uh, maybe experiences is not good will make you learn something out of it and then um, take an action uh, upon that so that is kind of like you know it depends on person like how they want to kind of so that way I think you 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 grow old but then you become wise Mm -hmm. like you know uh, like every day Mm -hmm. Uh, how to take how to take this life yeah I mean how you are going to take it how you are going to move on with it yeah. uh, and uh, how to evolve in yeah. that process. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I can certainly say that I feel much more mature <laughs> these days. Like, I don't get angry easily. I think I've grown calm over a period of time. So, I even tell my mother, like, there's no one getting angry. It's okay. You know, it's, it's going to be done. <laughs> and I think that's also true for some friends. And I can see that we have already spent, I think, around 40 minutes, I guess. So I want to ask you one last question and I'll sort of club two questions together. Now, as you as you mentioned earlier, you have been working on different kinds of minority bodies. And you have also become an Indian citizen, right? You know that uh, in 2019, a new law, an amendment to the citizenship uh, law came up and there were a lot of protests in the country. Now that law gives uh, religious minorities in particular, uh, and not all religious minorities, but only certain religious minorities from Muslim majority countries in South Asia you know, an option to become citizens if they had been uh, in the country, I think, before 2014. And there were a lot of protests, there were a lot of, um, there was of course the Delhi pogrom into 2020. Now what do you make of the role of the law in all of this like since you are someone who has worked on personal laws right so how do you engage with law is it something that pervades your life or is it something that you only study from a distance and I'm, and do you have any 
uh, any kind of opinion on the protests or the act and you don't have to have an opinion of course you don't want to no uh, thanks rajesh actually i'm not a person who kind of like you know do not hesitate from uh, saying things when i want to say something yeah i, I was part of i i have taken part in shinebuck uh, mm-hmm. movements uh, but i could not actually give much time because uh, i had to go for my field work Mm-hmm. uh because it was end of my actually deadline of submission and all that so i i actually went to bangladesh for my field work and all that uh, in the later part of the movement like shine up movement the thing is that regarding the caa um, this things like we were extremely uh, disappointed and devastated with this kind of like you know uh, policies came up with and the law where particularly a section of minorities were being uh, a process we could see that in future it will happen to make them uh, to push away from their own country mm-hmm. to push away from their uh, citizenship uh, benefits citizen i mean as a citizen you know they would be completely pushed away from and there will be a cartel like there will be a carteling of their citizenship benefits and facilities so and it's a complete like you know uh well thought target to make that group uh and i uh, and you know, that minority group to completely wipe away mm-hmm. you know this kind of like again you can say this as a cleansing you know a process and that comes from and why that comes from is i think everybody kind of like understand in the variation from from a little to i think uh, to a larger way so the thing is that as we can see in this uh, recent political environment the idea of that i mean you know that hindu being hindu and making it a one nation one religion mm-hmm. one uh, culture each and everything is one so where there won't be any kind of intersectionalities there will not be any kind of like you know uh, rights of the of the other uh, you know uh, groups and minorities in this society so that is what this recent political environment is aiming for another thing is that the uh even the question arises over here that in uh, what do you mean by uh, hindu hindu in even in hinduism there are so many groups hmm. there are so many ideologies there are so many beliefs so what are you going to do about them but the thing is that uh, uh, like you know without any surprise as we see as as like other minority communities of other religious minority communities even in hinduism this other groups which are which do not believe in that majoritarian uh, like you know uh, 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 god of uh, this like you know or this believe of this uh, uh, religion of only this ram ram and whatever it is like you know they will not be considered as him so they also will be wiped out, wiped off as the other religious minorities mm-hmm. so if this is a threat and this is a threat to the people of this of this country which you have to understand that you know how we are every day moving to a time or space where uh, who would be remaining and who will not we just do not know 
and if we are just thinking we are safe we are not like you know just because i am i am not i am not muslim i am not christian i am not uh, whatever it is i am not uh, indigenous adivasi तो हमें कोई टेंशन नहीं है ये सोचना अभी बहुत ही आई मीन व्हाट वी वुड से इज लाइक दैट दिस इज अ कॉम्प्लीट मिस्टेक एंड लाइक यू नो इट वुड बी अ इट वुड इट विल कम बैक टू अस इन अ सच अ डिवस्टेटिंग वे दैट लास्ट टाइम अरुंधति से लाइक यू नो अरुंधति रॉय दैट टुडे द इंडियन सिचुएशन इज लाइक दैट दैट द प्लेइंग इज क्रैशिंग बैकवर्ड्स एंड हाउ आई मीन द वे द क्रैश विल हैपन नो यू विल कैन जस्ट नेवर अंडरस्टैंड एवरीथिंग विल फिनिश so yeah so that's what i'm trying trying to say over here now regarding my work what i want to say is like that that uh, i uh, my recent work is actually uh, is minority women's voices in the constitutional law discourse and debates and i did a comparative study between india and bangladesh now the thing is that what i have understood like you know i'll be coming to the findings of my of my uh, work a little later but first what i want to say is like that in the man understanding is like is this that today women even being in their own community they are discriminated and outside the community they are also discriminated they are discriminated in everywhere and the thing is that this personal law even is for uh, like you know hindu women in bangladesh or it is muslim women in india or indigenous women any minority women like you know in both countries they are the most discriminated in their own community being a woman and outside the community now the thing is that this personal law that is that is um, this personal law i mean respective personal laws of this of this groups they are the i mean this personal laws are affecting this women are the most than the other gender the other like you know the man of the of their community in which way there are there are five to six aspects like for example marriage like divorce uh, property rights um, guardianship custody rights uh, like maintenance uh, each and every way those things where civil laws somehow the other doesn't intervene now we also have to see the politics over here that why why uh, there is this uh, division between those uh, like you know kind of civil laws statutory laws and the personal laws why there are two division when uh, this kind of aspects come why only in this five six aspects only personal law will follow mm-hmm. why not civil law like for an example nowadays for for an example in india for hindu women there are a lot of kind of like i think you know uh, statutory laws has been made for them to uh, kind of like enhance their rights but for minority women nothing happened till now because first of all the community this uh, leadership which is male leadership they do not want uh, that uh, uh, reformation to happen and uh, uh, to kind of like civil laws to kind of like you know come into the picture and they don't want to give their women's rights and also the state also do not want to kind of intervene over here because because of a lot of vote bank politics and uh, all these things but i mean recently at least uh, when the bjp government came in power it did intervene right exactly now what is the what is the politics behind it mm-hmm. it's that is also we have to see bjp realize that they i don't know what kind of like you know thinking process they have if they are thinking that they could uh they could kind of like you know muslim women 
uh, they can they can extract themselves from their families and make uh, make them uh, their allies mm-hmm. and not making the muslim men allies huh? so this division is not going to work out for a long time mm-hmm. yes of course in gujarat muslim women have given them votes because they have intervened in the triple talaq thing and made it a law mm-hmm. but also there are a lot of debate and discussion is going on that how that law has been made after the supreme right. court verdict it became a like punishable offense yeah. like you know uh, so if 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 a man gives triple talaq and all but the thing is that there are so many loopholes in that in that law even making it as a uh, like you know as a this thing a, a criminal offense they, they have not made it clear how when the man would be in the jail uh, after uh, pronouncing uh, three 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 times talaq how how the women will get maintenance mm-hmm. if the man is in the jail mm-hmm. who is going to give her mm-hmm. nothing has been cleared out which is also and when the man has pronounced triple talaq is it has it has the marriage got void null and void or marriage is still uh, like you know is still in process nothing has been cleared out mm-hmm. over here so the law has a lot of loopholes and lackings in this of course like you know the i mean we as a i mean i as a feminist as a, as a um, gender specialist um, like like other feminists and all we uh, we kind of like uh, i think hail that supreme court judgment uh, because that uh, that was needed that was really really needed because muslim women because of triple talaq this thing they were like they were unbelievable i mean you know uh, situation they were in in their lives so that is a good thing but we also have to see what is the in, uh, intention behind that like that mm-hmm. intervention and first of all when uh, the the women's movement muslim women's movement and the feminist and the minority groups specifically women muslim women they have clearly said we do not want uniform civil code but this government is trying to uh, again and again trying to kind of like you know uh, i mean in, uh, they are have they are pushing kind of like you know to go with it like you know to go for this uh, UF, uh, this uh, ucc which is uh, we we see it as a as a kind of like as a process where they are trying to impose the majoritarian culture and rules and laws on minorities which is completely unwelcoming from i think you know we do not we kind of like uh, uh, strictly criticize that kind of like you know uh, idea and also the also the that push or efforts whatever you want so uh, you are making a case then for the improvement of the personal laws am i understanding that correctly without and, and not necessarily a uniform law or code for all women is that what you are trying yes, to say yes exactly so the thing is that we kind of like have to pick up uh, from all the religious personal laws which is discriminatory for women and we have to reform those but that doesn't mean that we have to uh, kind of like go for ucc because ucc has a lot of disadvantages for this uh, uh, minority uh, groups so that is what i'm trying to say and that is what the muslim women's movement is they, they are saying but the thing is that this government is like just specifically if, if we see that the recent whatever intervention is not kind of like 
I think listening to those voices, you know, uh, that women's voices, it is uh, if 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 we if we even kind of like you know give them uh, credit of this triple talaq verdict and all that, uh, but I would say that that has been done for a particular intention, which is actually not has meant for the real real advancement or the empowerment mm. of the Muslim women. But whatever the intervention, uh, whatever the intention was, somehow or the other, we have got today a good verdict on that uh, situation on that triple galaxy. That is for sure. But the thing is that, yeah, we have to be very watchful. That is there. And the other thing is like that, I am also uh, interested in working on indigenous women, which also I have looked into my thesis and uh, Dalit women, because in, because in Bangladesh, uh, the uh, Hindu women, this Dalit groups, like you uh, in the Dalit groups, the women are the most and are uh, the more more and more discriminated. Actually, there are layers of like you know this discrimination. Mm-hmm. First of all, they are minority. For example, first of all, okay, the Hindu. First of all, the Hindu Hindu women. Mm-hmm. They are the first of all they are minority, and then they are women. And even in that Hindu community, Hindu women, there are Dalit women. Yeah. They are the more and more vulnerable actually. So there, you can see that there are three, four layers of this, of this, of this like you know, this vulnerability and the discrimination they are facing. So today, uh, we have to kind of like, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I was, I mean, I'm still interested and I'm still working on this personal law and and how it is affecting the minority women because for majority women in both countries as we see that the law has been reformed but for mm-hmm. minority women it did not happen mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i'm looking in um, that's why my thesis i mean i try to look into this minority women's and different minority women you know for an example this indigenous women i have i i i uh, i mean in in bangladesh i have looked into this uh, indigenous women of uh, Silet and Chittagong, this Adivasi women, they, uh, these groups, they kind of like um, also practice the Hindu personal law, even being Adivasi. So it's like kind of a very interesting kind of like, you know, uh, intermingle of their own culture and then Hindu personal law. Yeah. So they somehow or the other, uh, um, I mean, you know, uh, they practice, uh, it's like both ways, like in Hindu personal law, but somehow or the other, also, in a core way, their own practices, mm-hmm. which is not discriminatory, but this Hindu personal law, because they are following, it is because it has not been reformed over there, so it's really, really discriminatory for women over there. So, I also have looked into Buddhist women, Adivasi women, mm-hmm. Dalit women, and Hindu women. In Bangladesh. Yeah, in Bangladesh. In India, I have looked into, because uh, minority uh, women in that way, the Muslim minority is the biggest minority group in India. So, mm-hmm. I looked into the uh, like you know Muslim women actually, and the variations even even the subgroups in in that like you know in that Muslim minority. Mm-hmm. So there are so many even they have different uh, subgroups in Muslim. Uh, I mean in Islam, Sunnisia, mm-hmm. uh, Bora, all these communities. Mm-hmm. So so I have looked all of, all of them. Mm-hmm. So in Muslim community, Muslim minority women you know, that way. And one uh, last thing, what I want to say is like that: that uh, I my uh, work uh, is also it also has looked into the 
women's movement, Muslim women's movement, and over there women's movement. Actually, this is the the difference between the uh, uh, women's movement uh, here in India and in Bangladesh is like that. That in Bangladesh, for Hindu women, there is no individual women's movement or any kind of division. It's the all the progressive women organization. They actually give. They do have this uh, unofficial, you can say, informal dispute settlement bodies of their uh, inside their organization. And in Bangladesh, these um, bodies they give the kind of like mediation or counseling or the verdict, depending. I mean, on the basis of civil laws, not on. Um, specific respective personal laws mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, like you know how the rules and norms in that personal law. so but in india when we when i have seen in the uh, like uh, muslim uh, my, uh, i mean no women's movement so they have their own um, dispute settlement bodies which are giving verdicts on their women com- uh, for their women complaints complainants who come to come to them uh, with their with their uh, grievances they give the verdict on the basis of quran um, how the rules and regulations or the like you know the rights have been uh, i think you know given or or, or described in, in quran uh, so that way in, uh, as as a religious text so this is the difference between these two countries where like you know how these dispute settlement bodies are, are working. So I also have looked into this, um, I mean you know the women's movement in India and Bangladesh and it's very interesting actually like when I have looked into it. Uh, maybe uh, I think you know we will talk about more. Uh, so only thing okay uh, I want to finish over here saying is like that that only thing is like that that there is um, these dispute settlement bodies are making a structural change which is very interesting because the thing is that um, how why i'm saying this because uh, for example in india this muslim women's uh, organization and movement they have their own dispute settlement bodies and they are making their making their own activists as female qadis so there is a kind of a challenge to those male leadership for an example, all India Muslim Personal Law Board mm. and their uh, all those Darul Kazas and all this where only male imams and uh, Maulana sit there and listen to the complaint and give the verdicts on their own convenience. So this particular women's uh, Muslim women's dispute settlement bodies, these informal dispute settlement bodies, are neutral and giving and making a neutral space and making their own women. Complainants are uh, comfortable, and the uh, and the verdicts and I think you know the, the justice is uh, uh, what I should say is like that is uh, more quicker than the civil courts when they give a verdict. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is very very like interesting work they are doing. And specifically, if I talk about in Bangladesh again, the same thing. Um, this uh, dispute settlement bodies in this women's movement. They are making a structural change again because this is a challenge towards this male leadership of this community of this, for example, this minority community who do not want their women to get equal uh, equality. This is the Hindu. Yeah, and uh, do not want uh, uh, that justice gets prevailed and they get some kind of justice and some kind of rights. For example, in the maintenance, even in the 
marriage, we were in uh, uh, custody and all these things. Yeah. So yeah, I would uh, end it here, like yeah. saying this. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for that very complex kind of intersections uh, that you kind of tried to share and try to explain to me. And I don't know much about personal laws, but um, I do know that Hindu personal laws, when it comes to like property rights, it's very regressive. And maybe that way, by comparison, uh, Muslim personal law has more rights definitely for women with regard to divorce, maintenance, uh, property. So I'm curious to know what my relatives you know, get, because I have a lot of uh, relatives in Bangladesh, in Dhastilhet and Dhaka, and I'm really curious to know what, or if they do get property once there, you know, spouse, like male, uh, husbands and all die, what do get. But thank you so much for the interview. And any last thoughts? Yes, so when you said that, uh, you actually kind of like, you know, uh, pushed me to say this, that's why I was saying that why UCC is a problem because as you said very correctly that in the Muslim personal law uh, the property rights like when there is a division has been given uh, it's much progressive than the other uh, religious mm-hmm. personal laws like Hindus so when this um, uh, when there is a kind of a, a push and endeavor to impose that UCC on the uh, minority so what will happen is like that that in their, their, for an example, in the Muslim personal law, these good, good things that good, these uh, rules and norms mm-hmm. will just, will just go away mm-hmm. and vanish. I'm not saying that this personal law is all good. Of course, there are some, I think, you know, aspects are not good, but some aspects are good. Then, I mean, if we compare it with the other religious personal laws, for an example, Hindu personal law. So, yes, and I want to, kind of like give you some insight about the recent development in Bangladesh regarding personal law and the property rights mm-hmm. is like that that uh, there is recently in 2020 September when I was in Bangladesh a law has been passed I mean a Supreme Court verdict and on that law is getting passed is like that that now the widow uh, Hindu women will get uh, equal share of like her son from the uh, from her uh, marital uh, husband's uh, you know, property. Mm-hmm. So even if it is a husband's not own acquired property also, but also husband's uh, parental property. property. So she will get now the same share as her son's. So that is a development. But still, there is still a lot of things to be done and nothing has been done mm-hmm. on this where a woman, woman is getting when she wants, she wants her father's property. Mm. Nothing has been done yet on that. And But the thing is that the movement is going on. Women's movement are uh, again and again pushing for it and I could see that they already have drafted a law on yeah. that and they went to the government because Prime Minister over there, she has shown some kind of like, you know, interest she to kind of like, you know, go for that, uh, that right for Hindu women. Yeah. So we are hoping for the best. Let's yeah. And it's kind of interesting, right? Because you have a woman prime minister who is leading uh, the Awami League, and yet, um, of course, she, it's, here it's specific to Hindu women, and she's not Hindu. But then it's kind of interesting because she has been in power on and off for quite some time. And in the Indian context, of course, we had the Hindu Code Bill long time back, uh, which was formulated by uh, Baba Sahib mm-hmm. Ambedkar, and that didn't that didn't get passed. So. In our case, it could have been very early, but it wasn't. And I think 
it in fact it became equal very recently i think um, i can't remember the date but it was very recent earlier it was not equal the sons and the daughters shares were not equal even under the the common hindu law that we have so thank you so much this is all complex and i hope the listeners can sort of make sense of uh, it i'll see you soon hopefully uh, sometime thank you thank you so much